Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I want more of you. This is my song when I turned 50 years. It was my dedication song to the Lord. It was my song of appreciation to God for making my life so beautiful. For picking me up from what was nothing. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, you are so much more of you. Oh, Jesus. That is our song and that is our prayer, Lord. We want, we want, we want, we want, we want, we want, not Father in heaven, we are so grateful to you for your grace, your wisdom, your exceptional love, your unconditional love that you have for us as sons and daughters of you. Tonight, we humble ourselves before you and we ask, oh God, that you by your spirit will visit with us. That as you come, my God, we open our hearts and we say, Lord, have your abode. Make your abode in us. Now from tonight, from the day you come, oh, our soon coming king, that you will find us worthy. That you will find us worthy. That is why we sing that from, from the day you found us today, you have made our lives so beautiful. But Lord, this is our Ebenezer. This is how far you brought us. But we know there is so much more in you for us. And that is why we sing the song, of God, that we want so much more. We have seen your goodness, my Lord. We know there is so much of your goodness. We have tasted of your faithfulness. We have tasted of your loving kindness, your protection, oh God, your provision. My God, every good and perfect thing that you have given us. My God, we are so grateful, but there's so much more that we desire that you do with us. Through us, in us, and for us. So tonight, the more we want to know you, Jesus, more. That's our song. And that is our prayer. 
have your way in our lives. In the name of Yeshua, my Siaka King, and our Lord and our Master. And it's that we are praying, and let the people of God appreciate Him. Give it up to Jesus. Give it up. Give it up. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we kindly take our seats in God's presence? Isn't God awesome? Before I do the honorable, um, honorable thing to appreciate the father and the mother of the house and all those great men or women of God in this house, I want to say something to all of us. Ezekiel chapter 40, 47 is one of my most beautiful chapters in scriptures. Because it talks about a river that flows in the temple. And this river is such that the Bible says that when the river flows, sometimes it comes to the ankle deep. Ankle length, yes? Our ankle. And as it flows, sometimes also it comes to the knee length, the waist, and eventually takes over. But I believe that all these pages that is beautifully illustrated in chapter 47 talks about our attitude. How much we can receive from God when we come into his presence. We determine whether the river that flows from the altar is going to touch our ankle, whether it's going to go, come up waist high, whether it's going to take over our shoulders, whether we're going to swim in it, because the Bible says that wherever the river flows, there is life. The river has power to give life, penetrating areas in our lives that are dead. And so we have to embrace the river that flows from the temple. And I will encourage all of us. I know I'm a stranger, but I'm not a stranger. Listen, I found this man and this woman. And yesterday I found out that your mom, yeah, we come from the same house. Not, not just from Apam, the same family. I mean, it couldn't be a coincidence. This is what God can do. Hallelujah. And I'm so honored and I'm so grateful to God that God has connected us to you. Amen. 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 Especially to the Father, Reverend Dennis. I tell you something, should have been in the office the first time I met this guy. You meet somebody for the first time. Listen, it is always love at first sight. If you, if you will ever have to love somebody, it has to be first touch. Anything else you have to work so hard on. So if you don't click with me tonight, I don't know. <laughs> Man of God, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for the privilege and the honor you've given me to, for trusting me with your people. I really appreciate you so much. And thank you, Man of God. My, sir. <laughs> my upper mic sister, eat your heart out. For those of you who don't come from Apam, I can't help you. Tonight is our night. Hallelujah. And I believe that we're going to have a great time in, in God's presence. You know, I was brought up very radical. Like your, your father said, I was brought up in Transia. It was so booga booga. And I think 32 years in London hasn't changed much of me. Maybe a bit of the hairstyle. But I'm so, so radical and so all over the place. I know this house is a very, I can see that you're very composed. You're so beautiful. The choir sings so well, so professional. And here I am, a choir and all over the place. And, but I know we're going to love each other, okay? We're going to love each other. Let's appreciate Jesus. Amen. And our wonderful men of God in the house. I tell you, Reverend Alfred Bimpong has... But he was my junior in primary school, so we've known each other for maybe 40 years. But I don't know whether I've met the brother before. Maybe he was, were you in Oxford as well? You see, that's why I don't know him. I went to Oxford primary school. My God, isn't God amazing? So we are here together, and I believe that maybe most of us here are married, and I'm going to really address the issue of marriage because God has blessed me. Last August was my 31st wedding anniversary. Hallelujah. So, 
I thank God for your mom and your dad for bringing them 31. I tell you, if had 31, one employer is in the 30. I didn't think I would survive the first year, but I did. And then two years came and I said, wow, it's why you're so here. And then five times I said, what have I got in myself? 20 years came and I said, hey, it's why. Good job. The last year was 13. I said, it's why. listen, you've done so well, you have to celebrate you. Because I didn't think I would make it. Nobody makes it in my family. Everyone in our family, from my father's house and my mother's, they've gone through divorce. Even some of my siblings have gone through divorce. I was the first to be married in my family out of 13 children. I was number seven, and I was the first to be married to the glory of God. So I realized that God has set me up for the rest to follow. And I wasn't going to disappoint them. And I've stuck to it. And my husband, my, oh, my patient, wonderful, quite amazing husband has stuck with this upper mind. <laughs> no holds back upper mind. And we've been together for 31 years. And I believe that we'll stay till Christ comes. And I believe that everyone sitting in this house Everyone sitting under this ministry in this great house, you will make it. The first day, the first week, the first month, the first month, the first year, to the day Christ comes, there will never be a sound of divorce in this house. We arrest anything that separates. We bring under subjection anything that breaks. We destroy any stronghold of the devil, whether it be ancestry. Anything that has spoken about your life, anything that has been in disorder, in disarray, we arrest and we bring all such things to the obedience of the name that is above every other name. Even the name of Jesus Christ, our risen King. In His name, every marriage will live. Hallelujah. God said to me, If I know nothing in me dies, nothing. Because I am the resurrection and the life. Anybody that believes in me, though he dies, will live. And anyone who believes in me will not die. And I believe that all of us here, if not all, most of us here are Christians. And most of us have been blessed by God with a spouse. And as long as you are in God, nothing in God dies. And I want to assure all of us that you will speak, I will speak. Together we will stand irrespective of the storms and the trials and the affliction that comes by virtue of two opposite sex trying to make it. And I will encourage you, in the next two days, stick with me, okay? Because one pastor said, the reason why I'm standing in front and you were there is the fact that he, he was my pastor before. I've been to the hospital longer. And I know how, 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 where the good beds are and the beds that are filled with bugs. And because by the grace of God, I've said to one, and maybe most of you have gone ahead of us. I know some of the good beds and some of the bad beds. So stick with me and I'll show you around the hospital, okay? To the glory of God and we will make it together in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. I'm here also with my very wonderful daughter, great woman of God that I've grown to love and appreciate, Mrs. Angela Ocon. Uh, she's a beautiful woman of God. She has a ministry for pastors' wives, and she's doing so, so well with them. I really appreciate you. Thank you for coming to support me. Amen. So we're going to rock. You see, I'm very biased. Let me introduce myself properly. Your pastor didn't say much about me. I don't, I don't know why he didn't warn you. I do men. You don't understand. My ministry is for men. I love men more. Okay, mommy, I'm supposed to 
scripture, I love men more. Oh, thank you, sir. I've been a pastor's wife to the glory of God, like I said, 31 years and counting. And so as a pastor's wife, and also as a pastor, I have come into contact with a lot of issues. We have blessed so many marriages. To the glory of God, I think we've only lost three marriages in 31 years. Three marriages. We have blessed so many marriages. Only three have suffered divorce. And even that, we are not happy about it. But God has been good to us. And so in the years, as a pastor's wife and as a pastor, listening to all the things that come to me, because the women will come and they will cry and I will cry with them. I will cry and I will cry and I will encourage them. And I will pray for them and I will go home. Because God has called me as a watchman. I'm an intercessor. I stand in an office as a prophet and as an intercessor. Not the prophet that sees horrible things and they tell you and they take your money and they run. I was called to see and to pray. That is it. That is all I do. And so, when God gave me the assignment, I was happy to pray for everyone who comes to me and encourage them, counsel them also. And uh, one day, I had the privilege of somebody coming to me with issues, ma. And I know that I have heard things. But that day, what I heard was beyond the normal. I went home quite angry and very upset with the man who had done that to my beautiful daughter. Woke up in the middle of the night really interceding for her. And whilst I was praying, God changed my heart. He didn't change my heart for the woman, he changed my heart for the man. And I said, hey, Lord, you got it wrong. It is the women who are hurting. It's the women who need so much help. He said, no, Ephra, it's my sons who are hurting. I said, you tell me how your sons are hurting. When it's my daughters who are crying daily to me, you tell me how everything is wrong. He says, Ephra, if my sons are okay, my daughters will never cry. There is so much pain. There is so much confusion in the heart of my sons. The enemy's agenda against marriage is geared against the man. Anything the enemy wants to throw against the marriage, he would want to use the man to do it. It is because the devil knows the importance of men. Listen, the reason why I say I do men is the fact that God has opened my eyes and my heart to see the value of men. I'm talking about the male gender. They are so important. But the devil has proceeded to diminish their importance and raise up the victims of women. I have been a victim for many years in the house of my, my father. My father, from the day my mom said I was conceived, enmity was, was, um, was what? How do I say? There was enmity between my mom and my dad. The very day my mom told my dad he was, she was expecting me, that was the end of their marriage. He said to her, Abra, abort the child. I said, Dad, I won't do it. She said, My father said, Abna, abort the child. I said, Dad, I'm not doing it. Why? Because she had miscarried twice after my sister, and she wasn't going to risk taking out this one just in case it doesn't happen again. My father said, Abna, it's a bad time. My business is failing and I can't afford another child and I want you to get rid of it. She said no. So from the day my mom said no to my dad, that was the end of their marriage. I heard and I saw my mom cry every night. I saw the hatred. I saw my father's attitude towards my, my mom. Me and my mom, we always had to turn away from him. We had to be in one corner and the rest of the house in another corner. Everything that is hatred... Anything that is evil and resentful was, was released against us. And when I turned nine, seeing the plight of my mother, because it's unfortunate for me, my mom would not even spare me. She wants me to sleep in their bedroom. So when the fight happened in the night, I hear, and my mom pleading for my dad with my dad, could you please, why are you dead? 
What has this, this child done to you? Please. I can't stand her. When I see her, something happens to me. Jesus. When I heard that, I went to school one that day and I said I have to end it all. I took poison for my friend, took it home to kill myself. I went to the back of the house after school in my uniform, poured the poison in the cup, went, and just when I was about to drink it, oh, Jesus, listen, the devil cannot kill you. <laughs> I am here to tell you, because Jesus has the keys of hate and death, and because you belong to him, no assignment of death will succeed. In the name of Jesus. A lizard went over my legs. I jumped. Everything spilled. And here I am. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we said. God has released me into destiny. That today I will have the privilege of standing in this house so I couldn't die. God has an assignment for your life, and because of that, you will not die. And I stand here, not because I've had a good life with men, but because God is able to change the heart of the woman who is wounded, and put so much love and compassion for men. There is hope for our marriages. Nothing is impossible with God. God is able to turn the heart. He says in his word that the heart of the king is in his hand. Like a river. He will turn it. Irrespective of what is prevailing now, your, your, your parents, by the grace of God, have gone through 30 years. And the heart and the love that they have for you have necessitated that this man should be, will be for marriage. As we prepare our hearts for Sunday communion. Listen, you cannot... The Bible talks about the fact that Many die and many fall sick because they have not yet descended the body. So going to take a communion is not a sacrament. But you do it with understanding because it carries the weight. Jesus said, when you do it, you remember me. You remember his death and resurrection. You remember all the, all the benefits of Christ's death and his resurrection. Everything that it was in his death and resurrection. When you partake of the body, the communion, it is released to you. Hallelujah. And that is why we prepare our hearts towards it. That is why we put our hearts in order. And I believe that in these two days, and also come a certain day the, to the glory of God when we special ones meet. <laughs> God will heal us totally. And completely, that when we take the bread and the wine, all the attributes of, of Christ's death and resurrection will be ours. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I am here to encourage somebody. I am here to assure you that your marriage will not fail. And it will not fail because God is in it. He says, a threefold call, God is not easily broken. You, your husband, and God in the center of it, will not be broken in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to share a few things in scripture about how we women, yeah, we wonderful women, can turn things around in our homes. The Bible says, a wise man builds. When God spoke to me about the importance of a woman being wise to build her home, I said to God, how can you give the responsibility of the headship to a man and ask the woman to build it? And then suddenly I realized that it was possible. You know why? My dad is a builder. And because my dad is a builder, I realized that I have come to understand him that he doesn't determine the beauty of the house. It is the architect. The man is the brain behind the home and we make it good. That is why when you go to a home and it's in shambles, it is not the man, it's the woman. Because God has put in us the ability to take something that is not even beautiful and make it beautiful. But man is the one who puts things in order. 
when the man finds his rightful position in the house, when the man realizes that he is the head, the priest of the home, when the man comes to understanding that without him, your, 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 your man was telling me yesterday that um, a husband means that house band, the man who, the person who binds the house. Now you know why there's so much confusion and commotion in our churches, in our communities, in the nation and in the world, because most men are not house banned. The enemy has pulled them away from the house. The enemy has scattered our men. Most men are in castration. I'm talking about prisons. When you go to the prison, 90, 89% are men. The enemy knows that if he can take one man away from the house, the wife and the children will suffer. And that is why the enemy's onslaught is not against us women. We are the victims. We are the results of the issues with men. So when we turn our hearts as women towards our husbands, our fathers, our sons, what we are doing is that we are bringing things in order at home. I know you are hurting. I have hurt before. But I can assure you that because God put so much love and compassion in my heart for men, I never stopped praying for my father. I prayed for him the day he got saved. My father was into I mean, my grandfather was a Safohim of Apam. He is a Supi, Supi, Safohim, everything, all, everything uh, in terms of warfare. It was in my grandfather's hands. So in the house, there was a lot of demonic activity. Apparently, when there was war in Apam, if my grandfather is the one leading, his, his, Abada, Abada, Fugun, there were so many human sacrifices. The blood of human beings that had been slaughtered for his protection. Right? So they put the blood of humans in his abada. And when my grandfather leads the battle and he stretches his hand, no bullet passes by my grandfather to hit any of the soldiers. According to people, he just wraps it up like dandruff. He was a powerful man in demonic activity. And my whole family were following him. I'm the third generation Christian, both my mother's house and my father's house. To the glory of God. When I got saved, there were 23 of us in the house. To the glory of God, 21 followed. One we are still working on and one died. One we are still working on and we believe that before she pops, God says, believe, the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and your household. Hallelujah. If you hold on to that prophetic word, your household will be saved. In the name of Jesus. So like I said, I never stop praying for my father. That is why I know every marriage can succeed. Listen to me, please, carefully. This is not the normal marriage counseling that you have points. If you do these seven points, your marriage will be saved. I'm introducing you to warfare. The only way, according to Galatians 4.19, that Christ is formed in you, is when you prevail, you travel in prayer. It is only prayer that forms Christ in us. Because prayer has the power to break the yoke, destroy anything that prevents the formation of Christ in the heart of any individual. I prayed for my father. The day my father got saved, I was in England. I heard there was a serious flood here. That, that, that time we lived in um, our domain. So that day my father would have to pass over the bridge. You know, this huge gutter and the bridge. Some of you are too young to, to remember the original circle bridge. It's not this nice flyover one that you see. It was big or dog gutter and some wooden something thing that passes over it. And apparently what happened was that my father found himself, because of the flood, he found himself under the bridge. 
in the gutter. The water was flooding his car. There was darkness in his car. His demons could not save him. And all he could remember and to, and to say was, When he said, Please listen carefully. Do you know what happened? He was translated, literally translated, from under the bridge to the house. When he came out from under the bridge, he saw himself. He found himself at home. And he gave his life to Jesus. My father died a believer. Not because I just loved him. But I prayed that every demonic influence over his life will be loosened, that he will call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. The reason why I tell you no marriage dies is the fact that, is the fact that I have seen marriages at any beautiful woman. And this girl, this mistress, come to church a while saying, significant pension in Jesus. Not but elegant. She went in Harold's. She had all the designer clothes. Not but one minute to do. Not the can be you know why follows this woman. And then when we confronted him, I said, I don't care. I don't care. I married my wife out of pity. I didn't love her. I felt sorry for her. How does a woman heal from the words of a man who says, I never loved her. I married her out of pity. <laughs> Today, oh Jesus, as we speak, they are the marriage counselors of our church. And they tell you all things are possible. God delivered them. They are beautiful, beautifully married. They didn't even have kids because all the man, all the man shenanigans were preventing babies from coming. Immediately he broke off that evil practice. God released the womb. The woman had so many children. Hey, mommy, I don't want any more. Tell God to stop. Said, oh, yeah? After waiting 10 years, I can't stop it all. Tell God you want to stop. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is able to transform the heart. God is able to heal anything that is broken. If you're a man and you, you are married to Marie Jata, I'm telling you something. There is hope. I thought the men, it's only a person who said it, I thought the men were going to say amen. It doesn't matter what you have. I can assure you that because you belong to God and the hand of the Lord is upon your life, there will stop for you. Hallelujah. Shall we kindly put on, on the, on the uh, Psalm 128? And I want, because I want to introduce to you the role, the amazing role of the man. The value of the man. The importance of every man that is seated in this house, and many more. From the verses 1, please. It says, Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, is the one you come to the mandate and walketh in his ways. 2. For thou shalt eat the labor of thy hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with you. 3. Thy wife, so now you know it wasn't talking about anybody but a man. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by thy side, by thine house, and thy children shall be like olive plant around about your table for. Behold, thus shall the man be that feareth the Lord. Five, the Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Six, Yes, thou shalt see their children's children and peace upon Israel. Hallelujah. These are sovereign prophetic blessings on any man that fears the Lord. You see, the statistics say that men kill themselves out of any hundred 
met people who commit suicide. You won't believe it. 75% are men. So, go and do your research. Do you believe that men kill themselves more than women? Serious. They're telling the devil no more. Jesus said. Out of 100 people in prison, 89 are men. Out of 100 people who are into drugs, substance abuse, drugs and alcohol consumption, in excess, 69% are men. Men die 15 years earlier than women. This are evil machinations from the pits of hell against men. Because the man is the head of the home. The man is the protector and the provider of the home. The man is the security of the home. So if the devil, know, the devil knowing that you, your importance, if he's able to get you out of the way, the Bible says that if you fear the Lord, you are blessed, right? It shall be well with you, you eat the fruit of your, of, of your hands. You will live long, you will see your children's children. God now begins to give you long life. Eh? And he says, your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the middle of your house. And your children will also be like olive plants around your table. It means that you won't die before the children. Yes. You won't die before your wife. I'm not saying the women should die first. But I'd rather, after I'm 85 years, I'd rather let my husband bury me on than for me to bury him. He has to bury me. If I have to die, if anyone has to die early, I want me to go first and let my, my husband bury me. Why should I bury my husband? He is my protector. So after he has released me, then he can join me. I should not be the one paying for his funeral bills. He should pay for my assembly long enough. Hallelujah. We want to change the statistics. Not against women, but for men. We want to change things in order. We want to bring everything back on his head. We want to put the man where he belongs. The head of the home. Not the deserter of the home. Not the... <coughs> of the home. Not the one who is looking at, at anything in his not the one who is running after any greed or covetousness, envy or going after things that he knows they are abominations. We want to have the God-fearing men who stand so that we will be safe. We and our children, we women and our children, we have to feel safe. We shouldn't be abused by men. Anything that makes any man abusive is an anomaly. It has to be changed. A travesty because men were not created to destroy but to build, they were not created to hate but to protect. Hallelujah! So, if there's something that is wrong, not standing on its head the way it has to be, we can change it because God has given us power over all the powers of the evil one. You can sit here and criticize every man as much as you can. Because you, you have the evidence that they have done this and that and that. The last time I came to Ghana, there was a court case here. And a grown, a grown man had raped a child, two-year-old child. And she had bled to death. A, grown, a 14-year-old man takes a two-year-old child and rapes her until she dies. Another one... That's a seven-year-old, four-year-old child, girl, he raped her. She was fighting for her life before I left. You think the devil doesn't know that it is not supposed to be so? <laughs> Immediately this information comes out. Every woman, hey, oh yes. We judge them all as one. We, we speak evil about them. They are this and they are that. They are this and they are that. Because of some few bad grace, we classify them all as evil people. 
But I'm telling you something, there is hope for us because our men are going to take their place as men. They're going to stand as the prophet of the home. The one who doesn't have to be walking by the wife to pray, but the one who wakes the wife of Abnasar near Mompey. The one who is not to drop in the wife's cup. Osan will get nana no call, but the one who says, I am in Tamija because I've got work to do in the house of God. Hallelujah. We are turning things on its head. Ladies and gentlemen, you can sit there and be bitter. Or sit and say, Father, heal my heart. Deliver my heart from any form of bitterness and resentment and give me a heart like yours. That is full of compassion. Full of grace. Full of kindness. That my children will not suffer. The children are suffering because the wives are bitter and the men are somewhere else. But we want to call everything in order. In the name of Jesus. Listen. My, my husband's definition of marriage, I'm going to read it. And then we're going to see for ourselves where we are. And then when we rise up and we are praying, because we are leaving at half past eight, if you are good to me, if you smile a lot, I'll finish at half past eight. Because me, and Mama Tria, I was more <laughs> So if I see a lot of smiles, I respect the man of God the first day, and then we'll finish half past eight. We'll all go home and be able to go to work early tomorrow. So I'm going to read my husband's definition of what a marriage is. And then we'll rise up and pray. Amen. It says, a marriage is a divine institution entered in by two free moral agents of the opposite sex. Not all the rubbish that is flowing around. Two moral agents of the opposite sex who make a lifetime commitment to live with one, one <laughs> with another imperfect person. Hmm? So, two free moral agents who make a commitment to live with another imperfect person. It means that you and I going to the thing None of us is. Mm-hmm. For the rest of our lives, in the manner that pleases God. Okay? So even though we are imperfect, we enter into a marriage, into a commitment, into a, 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 a state of living together to please God. Hallelujah. But we know where we are. We understand, we understand our humanity and our frailty. So we are not there yet pleasing God in totality. But there is hope for us. There is hope for us because God has brought this marriage institution to hold all things together. If the marriage fails, society will fail. The world will fail. The kingdom of God will fail. The agenda of God will fail. God created marriage even before the kingdom. Marriage makes everything work together. And that is why any government that seeks to, you know, dilute what marriage has to be, or change it to suit their social systems. Now, in Canada, you cannot say you are male until the toilet, even in the private toilet, is neutral. A man can go into a woman's toilet, a woman can go into a man's toilet. You don't want to offend anybody. Just in case they are transvestites. I came here last um, um, uh, May. I went to a French church in Du Bois Center. Wednesday like today. When I got there, Du Bois had two halls. So my friend was on the left side. The right side. I saw people all wearing white. They said, oh, are you foodie? It wasn't are you fool. Gays and lesbians. Over two. Listen, my stuff I've been to. I've, I've lived in uh, England. I've traveled 20 nations. I haven't seen gays and lesbians together. Fili Kadochi, Gani Gani, more than two people. I saw over 250 gay men and women in Du Bois Center not too long ago. 
Men dressed up like women while stretching wall but in the what you want you want in the yeah yeah in the USA before in a a lot of NGOs what you know what would cast up before will protect one no be allowed for one. Hey, you come here. We can sit here and be comfortable in our pews. But I'm telling you something, the enemy is against our sons. Because what I saw, 90% were men. From the age of about 20 to 30 years, our young men, they took from her. If we don't preach it, if we don't tell them there is hope for them. Listen, you were born in school, what was the first to Girls and girls and the girls and the boys and the boys. A grab girl. Now it tends to be something so vile. It's destroying our nation. And our young men are buying into it. And you're going to places missing. And when we finished our service, we stood at the door and we said, Oh, let's go and minister to them just in case some of them get saved. So this of this. Look at this. The enemy stands. And I know I have studied some the statistics, and I'm telling you, all the men who go into gay lifestyles, they never had fathers. Most of them didn't have fathers, so they want another man to make up for the absence of the man. They have been wounded by men so much that they want to know about men, so they will take another woman. We are in a warfare, and if we forget our little misunderstandings at home, and they hold the holes on the, on the altar, and you say, no, my home will not be broken for the sake of my children. Because I tell you, when the home is broken, everything breaks with it. The enemy takes the children, he takes the wife into captivity. We don't want to sit here and pretend all things are beautiful because maybe your marriage is good. Or you come to church wearing the mask of a happy. You and I know God knows how much you are happy. Things have to change. And we cannot sit here and pretend that it is well. We have to go to God and say, Rodney, I want more of you. This has to break. I'll be the first generation to hold marriages together. I'll be the first one to, to put things in place. No matter how much I've been wounded. I have one of my best friends. She was raped at the age of six. No then recovered my mission was my friend she thought she would die. She's hurting, she's bleeding all over the place. Because his cat her cousin, twenty seven year old of Father Kakabo of Rupin. There are things happening at home. Our homes have become a showpiece for the devil. And then we sit down and we play church. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not just about your marriage that is at stake. It's about everyone else who is looking at your marriage to stand. There was a day before we prayed, there was a day I was so ill, I knew I was dying. I sat in bed for two weeks in England. And the children were missing me because I was upset. And my husband was the only one who was bathing me, who was dressing me up, feeding me, running for me to me. I can't even lift my arm. I said, honey, let me just carry you downstairs so that you can spend some time with the children. Because now I'm in the morning, every moment, the children around me, they can have nothing before I die. He carried me downstairs. While I was lying in the couch, suddenly I fell from the couch on the floor. My husband was screaming, my wife, my daughter, my wife, my wife. My spirit was taking. Suddenly I saw two angels took me. They took me so I can hear my husband praying. He knows I have died three times and he never called the ambulance. He knows when it's warfare to pray. Oh, God bless my husband. God bless him. So I could hear him praying. Two angels took me. They took me, we went, ah, then suddenly, 
I love soccer. Football, now oh, it's ball, but my show goes this year. They took me and, and then suddenly they dropped me in the biggest stadium. Filled with people. I couldn't count the number of people in the stadium. And then just told me, I said, for you know, that in a, in a football match, loving people, yes? From one and another team, they play. The state of the supporters of one team is dependent on how well the team plays. In England, the most hooligan football nation in the world. It's a wonder what you can when they lose back in Manchester, London. And he said, knowing that that loving people on the field, playing that airfield leather ball, would they determine the state of the people? Statistics shows that when people lose matches, there is more sexual abuse on the street. There is more uh, 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 woman abuse at home. I, I, I can't even begin to tell you the, the, the horrible things that happen when loving people fail to, to win a match in a stadium. We are telling you this because we know how you know about soccer. We are not safe. So if I play well, and Mr. Wong Jimmy not say, Check. the lives of all these people are watching you. Whether they leave the destiny that I have for them properly, or they mess up like a losing team, depend on you. Mr. Father, why have you put such responsibility on me? Why do I determine how some people, how some people live their lives? Because our life connects with one another. Nobody is on its own. You'll be amazed. One day, as a young person, I was worshiping in, in, in church. I was a teenager when I got saved. I was happy. I was so grateful to God. God said He loves me. Malcolm and I was Jesus. Worshiping at a church. My husband tells me that time he wasn't my husband, he was only my pastor. Because the way you worship, it encourages us to stay far. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. I thought I was worshipping my worshipping. I was encouraging others. Your life, how you live your life affects others. And it's very important that we understand that, that my, my mentor talks about today, the, the importance of a mosquito. What's it says, the rule of a mosquito, the power of a mosquito, until you realize that it is the most dangerous, the most evil sickness that has plagued humanity next to age. Also, one mosquito bite can infect, kill, he has killed missionaries. He has killed great men and women. People are still researching to find out how much they can fight this little thing. Let a mosquito enter your room. With you lying down there and see who is more powerful. And you think you are not important? One month sins and the whole world was plunged into captivity. Bible says, by one month sin entered the world and death by sin. And death has entered all because all have sinned. And by one man, life has come. One man. We are all important. If you live your life well and I live my life well, guess how many people we are impacting. If your marriage is good, how? Like your parents' marriage. You think some of you are not encouraged? Maybe yours was on the rock. You say, hey, well, well, if they made it 30, I will also make it 30. It's an encouragement. Any house that the, the pastor is divorced, we're divorced, of course. I got my boyfriend, okay, we're divorced again. Mom, come marriage house anymore. Oh, you how to keep a home? Nonsense. How can you tell me how to keep a marriage? Because you are a pastor, you have all the answers. What about example? What about showing me how to do it even though it's difficult? What about teaching me that even, even when you can you catch 
your spouse started, you can still forgive. How about showing me how it's done? And you leave and you go for another one. Hey, but I know that one too. There was a guy in, in the US, Wawari Four. And people still invite him into their pulpit. Mr. Moon. You go for anointing and no character. I'm telling you something. As I stand here, if I have a bad marriage, let me warn you. Everything I say will affect you. I am releasing what I have. Spiritual transference is so, so true. That is why I, I was so thankful to God that your pastor can trust me to stand in front of you. Because I am this person what I have. Such as I have, I give. And if I have a good marriage, I am giving you some. And if I have a bad one, so nobody has the right to stand before God's people and show them how you don't have an example. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And that is why your marriage has to work. Sister, that is how, why we, it has to work. That is why. So that, that one will always say to you and say, so what's that, Pastor Smith, Doctor? Hallelujah. We have to make it. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of this world. We have to show the world that it is possible. And it's not easy, but it is possible. Am I telling you that I had the best marriage because I look, oh, I look a little good, but I tell you, it's not good looks for you. I wake up in the middle of the night and lay my hands on my husband. I pray for him. Father, Mr. Ravi, let him only see me. Because your cares are in place. You are the only one you will see. Until you see that there are cares that are careful that your cares. Oh, yes. You think your legs are. Mm mm. Oh, please don't change your heart. Oh, please and some of us just gave us sexy legs for the fun of it. Open it and it's beautiful and it speaks. And you think that because your legs are standing and they are speaking, your marriage is safe. There is a battle that is raging against every marriage. Because the devil knows the importance of you holding things together. You can't sleep. If you sleep, it will fail. And that is why you and I have to rise up and pray, right? Because God is counting on us. God is counting on us. And the men, we need you. Share. Anything that has deceived us in the past, or thing that anything a man can do, we too we can do. It's the life from the pits of hell. Equal wealth doesn't mean equal function. That is what God has made me understand through my husband. Let's just assume this is what five Ghana seeds. Yes? Now you see a five Ghana seeds. It's the fact that one now we have five Ghana seeds. Does it mean that they, they function the same? We are all worth the same price to God, but our function is different. The man is ahead, we are helpers. Do you know the importance of the helper? Without us, they can't do it. The same word. That describes the Holy Spirit is the same word that describes every wife. Help me. Jesus said it was expedient that I go. Because if I don't go, the helper will not come. That same word in Hebrew is the same word that was used in Genesis for the woman. We are something. Why would you want to compromise your position because you have a better job than your husband? Or you have you, 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 they pay you better or whatever. Listen, in the point of what can also we just we just call you saying you put wager, we just start saying you put wager. It's true. It, he's a man. Even if he's a drunk, he's a man. Eli, in his apostate state, was able to train someone to hear the voice of God because he was the man of the house. Do you understand? God is able to use the man if the man is willing to be used, irrespective of, of how bad sometimes they behave. Or your man, when he raises his hands to bless, the children are blessed. And that is why we have to pray for them. 
before we rise up and say our final prayer, there was a day in Mark. Me, me and my husband, we had this big, the, the biggest row. She said, how did it happen? I won't be able to tell you how. We thought, and the man was tired. He doesn't talk as much as I do. No, day. Hey. Oh, Lord Jesus. I was so angry with the man. I couldn't sleep. Because now I was Then the Lord said to me, If I pray for you, Mr. One like a line. Pray for him, Lord. You look at him if I sleep. We have this issue, we have to talk. Your word says, and it is because in the Bible, I'm sure, no. oh, isn't God amazing? Your word says, we shouldn't let the sun go down on our anger. And if I'm trying to solve it, he's asleep. You want me to pray for this? I would never. Make kind of Holy Ghost, now, or I will tell me if I eventually got me to pray. I'm telling you something. This story was a life saving event. Then the Holy Ghost got me to understand what the way he spoke to me, I knew that there was something wrong. I began to pray for my husband. I prayed four hours non-stop. The burden of which people do today, BB come immediately after four hours, not so quick. Listen, Lord, now I'm free. Also, no, you are not finished yet. Anoint me. Yet that side, we had an oil there. Oh, you anoint for protection. Jesus' body was anointed for his burial. I'm not my husband. He just wanted to listen to me, so I was fine. No, I'm fine. 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 Immediately, I touched his feet. His body began to shake. Shake violently on the bed. The very five minutes after the meeting, she just. Then he stopped. I stopped him. Then I heard you. The Holy Spirit said, Now you can see. Me and them were down. Just when I was, I was sleeping. About to sleep. Then I saw that my husband and I and another person in the same room, at the bedroom. This person got out from beside my husband on another bed. And in the bedroom will be the whole Sir, you know uncle The person got out of the bed with a knife. Just when he got to my husband, he was going to stab him. The husband woke up. I said, you think I'm asleep? I saw you coming. Then he, he dropped that knife. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I was sent. See, they sent you to me. What have I done to you? Nothing. If, oh, Jesus, Jesus, the Mizimah could make you. That night, if I wasn't obedient to the voice of God, I won't have a husband now. Because at the age of 30, he was supposed to die. They had made a covenant in his childhood that he won't go past the age of 30 years. At 30, we had our first child. I was five months, the baby was five months old when he traveled to the U.S. to do his master. So I was alone with three children. I was in bed and I saw this creature in the room. Because your husband is supposed to die on 7th of October. Mr. Who's husband? Also yours, Mr. Dad. And when he was little, he was sick, and then he was taken to this place, and they would make a covenant that when he gets to death, he says, Oh, really? You should have killed him then. Why did you let him live past 13? He got saved when he was 13. You should have killed him the day before he got saved. You didn't kill him. Why did you let him live to marry moi? He's not dying. He ain't dying. But then I was not dealing with it. That's all life insurance. That's how we have life insurance that was about 750,000 pounds. Also, how did you even know I have life You think they don't know? Mr. Hmm. I will not sacrifice my husband for the whole world. He's not dying. I found that demon, the damn demon. I called my husband in the US. 
Did something happen to you when you were a child? Uncle and Chairman, you never, he's forgotten. I say, the mark on my face, they said I was very ill and then they cut me. But I didn't, they said, did you know that, 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 that? I said, no, I didn't know the covenant. I said, yes. They came to tell me. I said, but you have a fresh baby. I said, I've seen anybody uh, fast, fast and die before. I don't try, I will combine with you. One hour, 40 days without water. So I have a fresh baby, so I can't fast. But it's the one that left yourself. Love yourself so much you can't stand in intercession. I told the devil, you, you, you aren't having this one, no, it's all mine. And before I said he was God, I always said he was mine. <laughs> hey, I married him. I prayed, I trusted, I prayed for him. He's still alive. He's 54. Let me tell you something. You can sit there and, and, and be sorrowful and grieve and let your pain. Or you can rise up and say, no more. Satan, you've messed about with my life too long. My home belongs to me and God. And make it happen. Are we good? Shall we rise up, please? Hallelujah.